For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, everybody. Those who are tuning in, we were just doing some audio chat, uh, audio checking and kind of shooting the shit for a little bit. But uh, this is uh, the Daniel 3 podcast. I'm Jacob Daniel, the host, and I'm um, excited to have Jose Galison on of the uh, podcast No Way Jose. Uh, how you doing? Doing all right. I didn't even realize we were recording, so it's good I didn't say any game, gamer words or anything like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, nah, it's all good. Um so um, for those who are tuning in and that haven't uh, followed you before, haven't heard of you before, uh, maybe just, you know, give them like a little bit of a intro of yourself, um, kind of like both like your like the, the TLDR of how you came to, uh, you know, libertarianism or anarchism, um, you know, like what your specific views are and then kind of like what you do with your your podcast. Yeah, um, Jose Galison. I have the No Way Jose YouTube channel. I mean, it's. The, I don't know, I guess the TLDR just uh, of how I came to libertarianism as I, uh, I don't know, I kind of went the whole path of like starting to listen to podcasts and stuff and, you know, start with like Crowder, Shapiro, stuff like that. And eventually I think I found Dave Smith on Rogan at some point, started watching him for a while. He kind of red pilled me and, and like finally got me to read Anatomy of State. And after reading Anatomy of State, I was an anarchist. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm uh, I'm I'm more specifically would consider myself an agorist for the time being. That's what describes me the best. That doesn't mean I'm like beholden to any anything. I mean, I, I think labels are just an, a, a good way to help people figure out your stances in a quick way. So anyone who understands agorists pretty much already has a rough idea of my stances. I mean, I, I have some minor differences with the generic agorist standpoints, but uh yeah, uh, my, my my podcast is generally just whatever the hell I want to talk about. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's mostly is stuff around that. When I first started, I was like more focused on doing like cultural type stuff, and uh, I've kind of backed off from there. But I still do that occasionally. So like I don't know, I have like episodes where we've done we've talked about like manga and stuff like that. So like, <laughs> but usually it's just like whatever the hell is is uh is catching my fancy. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it's almost embarrassing sometimes. I don't like to tell people that I kind of came the root of like listening to people like Ben Shapiro and and Crowder and all that, because like now I look at them and I'm like, I, I always tell my favorite way of describing my feelings about them are that they're my favorite statists <laughs> on the right, at least. You know what I mean? Like, so like I can still tune into them and kind of appreciate some of their perspectives and whatnot. But um, at, at the same time, it's frustrating when like, you know, especially for guys like Shapiro, who like, you know, he was the first person who ever used that like language of descri describing government as basically a gun or like saying that like at the end of every law is a man with a gun to enforce it. And like that's very much like libertarianism, you know, to when he's talking about that. It's just it, it sucks when like he knows what the state is, but then he's not like applying the, those libertarian principles consistently, especially like his foreign policy just uh, infuriates me lately. I mean, he's, he's just such a 
such a freaking neocon and just like you know all the you know always taking israel's side in the, the israel-palestine conflict his entire foreign policy being shaped around that and um you know like and, and then like with the police you know just like the typical like oh who are you gonna call a crackhead and it's just like you know just just stupid shit like that gets really irritating for someone like because he's smart and he's heard the philosophy before so like it's just like come on dude like you should know better stop like to me i just think he's pandering to his, like his conservative base oh yeah no it is it is a uh, painful to look back at like places you came from and especially with people like shapiro and, and like crowders because i mean i don't know i mean i mean i'm just projecting because i used to kind of like watch them but i, I do get a, a feeling of like they're genuine somewhat, but then you see some cognitive dissonance like with that, like, and it's, you, I don't know, you can see the holes through it. Like, you know, with like the Israel stuff. And and, and it's funny too, cause it's, it's kind of the whole thing with like uh, malice, like talks about a lot about how like people look at like the press and be like, well, it used to be good back in the day. And you're like, no, you just became like, you just became aware of it. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with like Shapiro and Crowder where you go back and look back and you're like, Oh yeah, they kind of were trash, but I guess I was yeah. just trash too. So I, I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it, that—that's the part that sucks. Is like when you look at them and you're like, "Oh, that's such garbage." And then like you know, I'll see stuff that pops up on the stupid like Facebook memories thing. It'd be like, "Oh crap, I was garbage." <laughs> like, <laughs> and I've been all over the political spectrum, which causes. Um, all sorts of cognitive dissonance in me. Like um, I wake up in the morning and it's almost like I almost have to reassert that I'm a libertarian in my mind because for so long I wasn't. And I've been on kind of like almost every extreme. I mean, I went from like 2014 to 2016 kind of being like a uh, more, more a leftist. And like I, I fell into like the Bernie bros and, and all that was like big for Bernie Sanders back in like up until 2016. Then Trump won. And I was among the many who were out there screaming and reing and thought the world was going to end. And then like six months later, like everything was the fucking same. And so I was like, oh, so like, why are people so afraid of Trump? Like, doesn't seem like anything's really that bad. Um, actually, it seems like some things are like, you know, like, I don't know, could potentially be better, I thought. So then I started looking more into people and and, fell, and, and found guys like Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder and all them um, and, and Dave Rubin. Um, and so they kind of brought me more into what I thought was libertarianism. And now I kind of see as being more like that, like, that weird like that weird line where like the neoconservatives flirt with libertarianism but like don't actually cross the line so like that's where i ended up conservatarian um, so right, yeah, yeah. kind of like that um and then uh but yeah i i found um a local libertarian uh meetup group in my area and thought oh i'm a libertarian too so like you know i'll go hang out with them and then i can like, they were so gracious with me like more gracious than I would be with someone like me now. <laughs> like I came in and I'm just like making all these like Ben Shapiro, like conservatarian talking points. And they're just like, oh, uh, hmm. you, you know, actually, um, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe World War Two wasn't a good war. And uh, maybe the war on terror does kind of suck. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, your views on immigration are, are kind of shitty. So um, they kind of inter introduced me to guys like Dave Smith and Tom Woods and Murray Rothbard and all that. And, um, and uh, I actually, I got red pilled because I got into a debate on, um, uh, and I know you people say you're not supp supposed to be able to change people's minds on like Facebook arguments, but that's actually what happened to me. Like I actually, like you can go back in, on Facebook and it's still up there um, in a, in a private group I'm a part of, uh, this like conversation that took place starting at like noon and like went to like eight o'clock at night. 
and I was just going back and forth with uh, a person who's now a good friend of mine. And I mean, we literally went through every cliche. I, I literally went through the what about the roads and what about uh, infrastructure? What about defense? Like I went through everything and he just kept on linking me articles, telling me to read this, read that. Finally, he said, here, here's the like a, an audio book from Adam Kokesh called Freedom. Go listen to that and come back to me. And I'm like listening, but like every 10 minutes, I'm like messaging going, oh, no, this is fucking bullshit, man. Here's why he's wrong. Then like then I got to like 45 minutes in and he didn't hear from me until like the end. And then I messaged him back. and I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. <laughs> and it, for, for me, it was almost traumatic. I had this view of the state. Um, I'm curious what, what, what I always like to ask people, like, you know, if, if they have this kind of experience, too. Like when I went from statist to anarchist, like I literally felt like Neo from The Matrix. I literally felt like, oh, my God, like I just got unplugged and now I see the world for what it is. And I see all this violence and this coercion and, and this like these these people who are almost like brainwashed around me. And it was like, it, you know, it, it's such a for me, it was such a terrifying almost existential crisis I, I i kept reaching for the plug like wanting to like no put it back put it back this is too much i can't take it i mean what was was that was it like that for you or was it i, I mean everyone's different i'm always curious to hear that i mean kind of i mean the, the, it was definitely a big jump for me from minarchist to anarchist uh i mean but like my i was already like whatever you might call a hardcore minarchist at the time so i already was at the point where like oh well we should only have you know, courts, cops in the military or whatever the hell, like the, the worst, the worst three. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I was. So I went, I went from the, the perspective of being like necessary evil to like, well, it's not really necessary. So yeah, I don't know. It was a big, it was a big jump for me, but I guess it wasn't anything too big, but anyway, I want to say hi, hi, Colin, hi, hi uh, Rothbard. And then I guess that's Archie in here too. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a, a little interesting crowd there. Um, mm. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about tonight, because uh, I love listening to your podcast because you um, very much like me, you're you're kind of like interested in, in t talking about different schools of philosophy, especially like anarchist philosophy and whatnot. Um, and, you know, I've been looking into that a lot, especially after Malice's new book came out. You know, I got that and I've been reading through it, um, you know, and, and I, I feel like we have you know, a lot of similar, like similar uh, approaches to anarchism, probably um, because of kind of like, you know, both kind of coming in through kind of like the, the, the Mises Rothbard uh, route kind of, but then I feel like, you know, you know, we also have differences in our background. Obviously um, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And so like, I kind of come, I'm, I'm bringing that to bear on my, my political philosophy as well. And I know you have more of like an atheist agnostic background, at least, you know, we, you did last time we talked. I don't know if you're, you're still there or not, but, um, no, I found the Lord. No, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you know, I didn't even want to say that. Like maybe you've picked up some other religion or you're, I don't even know. Cause atheist agnostic is such a generic label. Maybe I should just ask you, I mean, like, do you have any belief in anything supernatural or spiritual or anything like that? Or are you kind of more of like a, materialist like you know everything just is what it is we have physical reality and there's nothing greater than that i mean i mean neither kind of i mean okay. I, I don't really i mean if if i'm going to take a guess i guess i would more lean towards materialism but even then i'm not like asserting anything i i, I i'm more the i'd probably explain this i've explained this before but like Athe I'm an atheist, but I'm also agnostic. And like, because the thing is with atheism or theism is a question of belief. And I don't believe in a God. It hasn't met my threshold of evidence. 
And but then agnostic agnostic is the question about knowledge. So if you're a gnostic, you're asserting like uh, you're making a knowledge claim. And if you're agnostic, you're saying, I don't know. And I'm agnostic. And uh, like generally, I, I usually say my issue is gnostics. And that also gets squirrely because I guess Gnostics also another school of like religion at one point. But anyways, fucking like, but Gnostic in the sense of making knowledge claims. If you're someone who's like asserting something, like even like I, most Christians that I know will, will like, <laughs> uh, most Christians that I know will like even be like, I, they'll be like, I take it on faith. I, I, I cannot make a knowledge claim. They might be like, I know, I know in my heart or some shit, but they're they will usually like be very clear. The people who are like, whether it be atheist or theist, who go, I know. That's when I'm like, no. Now you're being a little bit intellectually dishonest. So, like, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, like people always uh, straw man atheists and be like, well, it takes more faith to believe there isn't a god, or to uh, to believe there isn't a god, but whether they're they're conflating belief and knowledge in that situation to where it's like, yeah, obviously, sure, in a mathematical sense, to assert there isn't a God actually statistically is is like dumber than to assert there is a God. Because like to assert a negative is like, you know, in, in a, especially in a universe, that's kind of like a, I mean, they may uh, both I mean maybe even I would say there's probably a slim chance there's a God, but there's even slimmer chance. Like, you know, I mean that like you would know that I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but it, no, it, it is it yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, it's a, it's the same thing. It's like the uh, one of the most known ones. I forget who it was. It's like, you know, the they always say that like uh, the do you believe there's a teapot floating in space or, you know, orbiting somewhere? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, but I'm not asserting there isn't like. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, no, I think that's fair. And I, I do think a yeah. lot of Christian um they get into this dumb part of the culture war where they think they have to like they can own like they can debate atheists into not being atheists, which I think is silly. Like from a biblical perspective, like the whole idea is sort of like there has to be some kind of revelation, right? Like I don't think you can argue if someone hasn't had a revelation, like like I'm speaking from my Christian worldview, if someone hasn't had a revelation of God, then it is, in my opinion, kind of even if I can make, I think, solid philosophical arguments about like the idea of God. I can't make a scientific um, argument for God or prove God exists. So if someone hasn't had a revelation of God and the philosophical arguments aren't compelling enough, which I think is reasonable to someone to say they're not compelling enough, then yeah, like without the revelation of God, I, I think it is probably the most rational position is to kind of be like agnostic to where you're like you're saying well i don't believe god exists because i'm not convinced um but but you're not asserting that you know with certainty the other direction that you know he doesn't exist yeah. and i actually think you know um and I, I find that most atheists are actually that way there's like a small fraction of atheists who are maybe like you know they almost turned it into a anti-theist type of uh, atheism and 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 those people I have a harder time getting along with, but the atheists more like yourself that kind of come from more of that agnostic, um, you know, pr uh, perspective. Um, I have no problem getting along with because I just you know I I, I don't think that they're being uh, you know disingenuous or or anything, and and I don't feel like it's my job to convince you.
You know what I mean? Like if, you know, if, if, if God exists, he can reveal himself to you. That's, you know, my, the, the Bible says to go out and preach the gospel. That's, that's the only thing I'm supposed to do. Um, I'm not supposed to go there and, you know, debate with people all day long until they, you know, like, like that, that doesn't work. That might, like that worked with me with anarchism. That's different. That's something that's a bit more, you know, uh, demonstrable, I would say. Um, unlike supernatural things that there's no way to test or verify. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, like I, I listened to like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson talking and that kind of goes into like what you were talking about, about like agnosticism versus, uh, Gnosticism, which is kind of like, you know, different epistemological worldviews or like, can you make claims of absolute truth or can all we do basically is make, uh, statements of like what we believe is most likely to be true or like probability claims. Um, That's kind of where I'm, I I fall in generally. I, even when it comes to like. Uh, I'm very friendly with like the postmodernist school of thought because I do feel like in a weird kind of way that's like really the most honest in a sense because a lot of people like to make a priori claims. But like, I mean, aside from like, you know, physical things you're seeing in front of you, it's very hard to make any sort of legit like a priori. And a lot of people be like, well, this is this. And even then you always I forget there's a term for it. Uh like the like, you know, whether we even reality is even real type thing. A lot of people are like you could be a brain in the vat. Like there's uh, all sorts solipsism? of fun little thought. Is that, is that solipsism? solipsism? Yeah, solipsism. solipsism. And yeah. even then there's yeah. multiple versions of solipsism because it is like it, it, inevitably this like yeah. this like not having some sort of a priori beginning point kind of leads you to solipsism in a sense. So it's like because, yeah, if you go to the extreme with it to where you're like, well, you know, we can't take anything as an a priori. I generally, for like sake of convenience, start off with my senses and kind of work from there because like, I mean, I, sure, I guess I could be in a brain in the vat, but I might as well operate as if I'm not because I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And if you are a brain in the vat, then there is some there is some like the whole like, are we in a simulation or a brain in the vat? It's like, well, if we are unless there's an infinite regress of that, there is eventually some reality. And I would say like most likely the simulation that we would be living in would have some semblance of like relating to that ultimate reality. But at the end of the day, it's like, I can't access that. So unless you can demonstrate it, it's, kind of pointless to, yeah. to, to, it's interesting to think about, but it's, it's kind of pointless to, to try to like debate from that kind of starting point. Um, but yeah, and, and you were mentioning like some Christians, you know, like there's differences in, in the Christian world too, where like there are some Christians that will say, well, like, I know God exists. And it's just like to them, it's like, you know, the sky is blue. Uh, if I drop this book, it'll fall. And, and God is, is real, as real as you are to me. Um, you know, that, that's not really the kind of Christian I am. Um, I have a strong belief that God exists, but I, I do put it in a separate category than the type of beliefs I have about other things, because I just, I, I just think that it's, you know, I can't say like, um, like I believe my, my wife is real and she loves me and we have three children. And like, I think that is true. Like, unless I'm hallucinating, <laughs> like I'm some crazy person in an insane asylum. I'm pretty sure that's true. And my sentences can verify that's true. My belief in God and my relationship with God is real to me, but in a completely different way. So it just seems kind of uh, intellectually dishonest to put those on the same playing field because they're just not. Um, yeah. I, I would say like I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but um, it, it is kind of a probability thing for me. Like it, it, it's I don't know how any I, I don't actually believe in the idea of absolute certainty, except that mm. if God is real, he is the only absolute. But 
you know, like, like God can deal in absolutes, but we as people, we really can't. You know, all I can do is because I believe in him, I put my faith in him. And I don't think that's in conflict with the Bible at all, really, because the, the Bible talks a lot about dealing with doubt and uncertainty and saying, you know, faith can be as small as a mustard seed. And, and that's all God wants. God's not asking us to surrender any uh, thoughts of doubt or or to like, if you don't go out there and just kind of like stubbornly, almost like childishly proclaim, like, I know God is real um, and and you don't acknowledge any of the doubts or uncertainties you have. I don't think that's actually. Um, I, I don't think that is biblically consistent. I also don't think it's an impressive display of faith. And I think you're conflating faith and knowledge. Because to me, faith is it, like I think atheists are right. Faith is sort of the belief in the absence of evidence. Because if we had strong evidence, it wouldn't require faith, right? Like mm. it just like that's that's kind of what what I've always believed is that if it requ- if it's about faith, well, faith is kind of like trusting in something without as much evidence as you would require for other things to believe that they were true. And like, I don't take it on faith that like, you know, if like if someone points a gun at me, um, you know, I don't like believe, oh, there's a slight possibility that that bullet will, you know, mortally injure me. Like, I know that's going to hurt and possibly kill me. If, uh, you know, I, I know that barring any kind of like catastrophic event, the earth is going to spin around and the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. Like these are things that I can verify and, and, and test in a scientific way. Um, God isn't like that. Um, so I believe in him. I think the faith, you know, like C.S. Lewis put it, like it's a reasonable faith. And I think that I can justify my faith as not being on the same level. Like I think faith in God is different than saying I have faith in a teapot or orbiting around Jupiter. Yeah, like yeah. those are two. Yeah, I wasn't of, uh, just yeah. to be clear. I wasn't trying to, I know people usually bring that up in a condescending way. I was trying to use it as a way to illustrate a principle. But yeah, no, I, I didn't think you were bringing it <laughs> yeah. up condescending at all. You're good. Um, no, but, but yeah, it's like, I acknowledge that they're both statements of faith. My only argument is that my faith, even if you don't think it rises to the level of, like actual evidence to say it's true. Um, I think that my faith has more supporting evidence to say it's a reasonable faith that has some justifications behind it uh, versus, uh, you know, faith in something that's just completely random and like, uh, and also kind of inconsequential, like a teapot orbiting the universe mm. or flying. Sp- I always like the flying spaghetti monster <laughs> references or the, actually the ones I always laugh at, even if they're meant maliciously, cause I just find it funny are when people go, people, the angry atheists will be like, we don't care what your imaginary friend tells you. And I just like, I crack up because it's like, I don't know, like it's clever. I mean, I, I can appreciate, uh, being the, the butt of a joke, I guess, but. Yeah, and, and to be um, fair, in most cases when that's brought up, it, it is like, cause some, some theists will, for some reason, a lot of times will, will make some sort of appeal to like a God. And it's like, I mean, it depends on the situation, but it, it is a legit like thing sometimes to be like, Hey, well, I don't care. So I, I don't know. Like, and I don't even yeah. mean like, usually we're not being nice about it, but in, in a certain type of way you need to, I feel like this is a very, I don't know, this is something people just need to be mindful of in general, no matter what you are. Like, recognize who you're talking to. If you're making some sort of appeal to religion, you need to make sure who the hell you're talking to is someone who actually is going to be like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> well, that's why, like, I, I actually now, like, when I make, because I make public posts or I make a post in a group and it's not always a religious group. And so now I kind of preface it saying, okay, this post is religious in nature. If you're not religious, I'm not speaking to you. And that's not meant as a defense. That's just like, if you're not a Christian, you're not religious, nothing here is going to really interest you or, or maybe it does, but it, it, it 
probably won't, not as much as people mm. who are religious. Um, but but yeah, when people come on and make those comments, I just laugh. Like I don't yeah. take it. I don't take offense that much, to be honest. But um, but yeah, so like at the same time, like because I have faith in my Christian worldview, I like this is where we probably have some disagreements, which I think would be fun to talk about. Like I know you're big into like Sterner and 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 egoism and kind of the idea of you know, the, the, the kind of like anarch, anarchistic, uh, uh, philosophy that comes out of, out of that. Um, and, you know, as, as a anarcho-Christian, I kind of have a different sense of, of these things. Um, so, and, and I don't want to straw man, like I have a, you know, like a layman's understanding of Sterner and all that, but I don't want to just assume everything Sterner said is what you agree with. So I want to yeah. make sure that like, I'm, <laughs> talking to the things yeah. you believe and not just trying to straw man them. But I like, feel like you most know, people have it. Most people, even people who've read Sterner only have like a service level understanding. Cause I've, <laughs> I've, I've read, I read full disclosure. I read, I've read it once. I read the whole, like all of ego on its own once through, and then I've read it, I read a section of it in a uh, fucking, um, in uh, the anarchist handbook. And the way, I don't know if you've read it yet, but the way it's written, have you read it yet? Yeah. Uh, the whole book, the all ego on its own, or just a bit from the Anarchist Handbook. Oh, I, I read the bit from the Anarchist Handbook. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. read all the uh, the ego. I haven't I haven't read any like whole things from Sterner. Yeah. I've just okay. done a lot of like read. I've, I've listened to podcasts on him, and I've done a lot of like reading of like you know individual quotes and excerpts from his writings. Yeah. But I haven't had the chance to. I have like fifty books that I've yeah. bought. No, and no, I, not I'm not saying yet. that in a bad way. There's so many different thinkers that it's like people go down different paths, and that's how we get this interesting stuff. But no, yeah. I, I, the point I was getting at is like Sterner. You you probably getting what I'm getting at with ha having read Sterner now a little bit. The way he writes is like it's. I mean, it, ironically, it's kind of funny enough. Like one of my one of the critiques I make about the Bible is that there are a whole different ways you can interpret it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of because it's written in such an esoteric type way. And Sterner very much falls into that. And so like, you know, reading it, I feel like it's one of those books that you get a lot out of reading multiple times. And it's kind of one of those things where people will, that have read it will disagree because it's not, he's not always super clear in the points he's getting at. It's very, I don't know. You'd have to read it. Anyone who's read Sterner knows what I'm talking about. It's, it's, <laughs> I am definitely not a fucking authority on Sterner at all, but I, I do think there's yeah. a lot of interesting concepts that come up in it. So, well, I know like one of the things that I'm interested your perspective on it, because I know you kind of have an ANCAP Austrian background, but also you, you're kind of more of an agorist now and, and you, you quote guys like Sterner, like one of the quotes from Sterner that, that always like struck me when I first read it, because I'm like, I'm really big into property rights as you know, and I think that's both from an Austrian perspective, you probably know a quote I'm bringing up. Um, Not specifically, but I know Sterner's conception yeah. of property rights. <laughs> right. Um, but like, you know, like, like I'm into property rights and not only from an Austrian perspective, but I think it's also, you know, based in the Bible too. I think the Bible makes a strong case for property rights. And I think that's kind of like the foundation of any, you know, consistent and, and libertarian legal framework. Um, but like Sterner has this quote and I'll read it. It says property exists by grace of law. It is not fact, but a legal fiction, um, which is, you know, a lot of what, what Sterner talks about is almost like, and I'm curious what you would, would say to this. Like, like if I could summarize Sterner's views on like rights and property and an oversimplistic, like this would be like a, you know, the oversimplified TLDR. It's not like it's, it's 100% accurate, but it's almost like might makes right. 
is sort of mm-hmm. kind of like the way Sterner approaches uh, these these topics. So, like, you know, so I've put out like what what I believe and what Sterner said. Like, what what are your kind of views on these subjects and kind of like you know what are rights, what are uh, and what are property rights and kind of like you know what like like what's your anarchist framework you know kind of around these subjects that we're we're laying out. Uh, one all right. One way I've come to look at uh, uh, Sterner's conception of rights is I've been looking at it as of late. <laughs> I don't know what that's a reference to, but uh, as of late, I've been I've been seeing that in oh, that's just like a an ism I do just to stretch. I, I stand while I do it to, to dissipate the nervous energy. But anyways, um, friggin' uh, the way I've been seeing it is like the way I usually picture like Sterner's conception of rights is I feel like he describes what is. And then, like, we kind of describe what ought to be. So I, I kind of like to look at it as, like, the is-ought divide. So, like, Sterner is, like, say, with his conception of property rights. It's basically, like, uh, I wish I had the book in front of me because I actually have, like, a, underlined a really good quote in relation to property rights. But basically, like, the, the what I've taken to use frequently is, like, say I go to my neighbor's house and I go kill all my neighbors and, like, and, you know, bury them in the backyard and I start living in their house. Like, if no one does anything about that, like you can say I don't have a legitimate property claim, but it's kind of just a fart in the wind. Like, <laughs> okay, like here I am. Right. Like, well, it's not a, it's not legitimate. Like, okay, well, do something. I, like, and that's kind of <laughs> so. In in essence, like property is like it is might mix right. Like, I mean, you can say whether it's legitimate or illegitimate, but it's kind of like in some way it's beside the point. But I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a more realistic way of looking at it and. And the funny thing is if you apply this concept and you apply it among everyone and everyone has this perspective that kind of cancels itself out because even in an egoistic framework, it doesn't behoove me to go do that because if I go take that from my neighbor, like they're probably not going to react kindly. <laughs> like, Or even if I do kill all my neighbors and take over the property, there's a good chance people in the neighborhood are going to go, hey, we don't take kindly to, to this because this sets a precedent of like what can be done and blah, 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 blah. And so this... I mean, it's kind of just a I like Sterner's way of looking at things because it's a different perspective of how to look at it and how it works that way. And like, yes, I know people are like, oh, well, you know, by that might makes right. And you could take over the entire world or whatever. But it's like, yeah, but every but if everyone's having this conception, like if everyone's looking at this from the individualistic perspective and you also realize it's not in your interest to do these things, like, why would you? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and it's like there there's there's a part of that like I agree with and I think it's valuable. And then there's like parts of it that I push back against. I mean, the part I I've even so like I made this argument months ago when I was arguing with someone from the uh, on the Fagertarians discussion group because which is like it is a waste of time to go into loser brigade circles and and argue with these people. But like I always tell people, it, it's how I waste my time. We all need hobbies, right? So I like to go and bang my head against the wall repeatedly because I'm a, a masochist or something. But um, so I was debating with someone there about the mask mandate, and they were like, "It's violating. You're like you're for private property, but not really because you're." They were like criticizing Heist because Heist said like I don't wear masks into you know, you know, stores and stuff. And I was like, why don't either? And he was like, well, it's violating private property rights. If they got a sign up that says that their rule was to wear a mask and you got to do it, bro. And I was like, yeah, but they're not enforcing it. Mm. They're like, yeah, well, that's because they're afraid to, like, uh, it doesn't matter. Like a right without the enforcement is kind of like, you're right. It's kind of a fart in the wind. Like if you're going to say that you have a claim to property and then someone violates your claim and you sit there and do nothing, like it is kind of like, well, tough luck. Like, I guess you didn't care enough about that to enforce it. 
So without the enforcement, did it really matter? Like people would, I think people enforce what matters to them. So I said, like, to me, I don't think I'm actually violating these uh, private businesses rights or anything, because if they, if the employees and the, uh, the employers, like if they cared that much, they'd come up with a way to enforce it. And some places, and like this is evident, I think, because there were places that did enforce it. And the places that enforced it, I would either, if I had no choice but to be there, I'd put the damn mask on and just like, you know, curse and make a bunch of, you know, comments about it. Or if I didn't have to be there, I'd just be like, okay, bye. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, I, you know, either way, like, you know, I would I would respect their rights if they enforce them. But without enforcing it, it doesn't mean anything. And so in that sense this kind of statement from Sterner, I do think is valuable because it does kind of push on us the need to like, if you don't actually take action on these theories, they, they don't mean anything. So I do think that that is an, an important contribution to the conversation. Um, the only thing that I get a little like a pushback on is the idea that like rights themselves are fictitious. Um, and, and this is probably because, you know, I'm a bit, you know, coming from my, my Christian worldview, like to me, I, I would take more of the, like the, the, the stance that rights are like in, an inherent kind of like, uh, I guess kind of like a metaphysical truism. Um, and I kind of believe in the idea of natural well, there you, law. You're already in the metaphysical. So it's already like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're already in this place where like you are in a sense already conceding that this is a social construct. You can you can say, well, this is an objective social construct. This is true, but I mean, even then, you're just what, what you're screaming. Maybe, like, but, but I the mean, problem is, like, I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> yes, I hear what you're saying. I guess for me, it's just like, and and I I kind of come about this from two angles. One is kind of like, um, if you've never read it, then I can try to summarize it. But like, I I kind I'm kind of taking the argument for natural law from C.S. Lewis's book *Mere Christianity*. And then also kind of coming from a perspective of argumentation ethics and like the two kind of work hand in hand and kind of complement each other. And to me, it's like rights to me exist because the minute you try to argue to me, they don't, you contradict yourself. Um, and it's kind of like how ha like like Hoppe's argumentation ethics works. And to summarize that quickly for people that don't know, it's like you can't argue against private property rights because the minute you start to you were you the act of actually having a conversation with somebody and trying to debate them uh you have implicitly agreed with that person on a set of premises just by having that debate that basically prove the validity of pro of private property rights and self ownership so to me it's like they're self evident and so if they're when you say they're a fiction it's like i don't know what you mean by that if you just mean that they're not it real in a material sense well i guess that's true but to me i guess like this might be just different conceptions of what is real or what is true kind of like we were talking about earlier to me like i can take god out of it like i just think there are things that are true even if they're not like like real in a material sense like um they're like 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 language might be a good example like like language is a bit of a like like i mean the sound coming out of my mouth produced by my vocal cords those are real and tangible but the but the words themselves are kind of like you could say those are fictions that we've we've created but at the same time those ideas have real and uh, real intent and meaning behind them or like the laws of physics the laws of of nature gravity and stuff like these things are 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 like forces and laws of the universe that aren't like physical objects you can hold in your hand but they're real 
in a yeah. sense. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? I'm sure you disagree, but <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess we kind of get in this like weird spot where it's like, what are, what are we talking about? I mean, I, 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 like, what do we mean by them being, obviously they're not a material thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if we could say there is as useful as, a, I mean, okay, actually maybe you could like as a mathematical truth. Cause I actually like, like say with something like natural rights, I am, while I do, I do completely believe that they're completely made up. Like they, I mean, and they, and I, they may not necessarily be true in some sort of objective manner, but I do think they're the one of the most useful things we have towards setting up a like good society. It's a good like rule of thumb. It's a good principle to apply in order to, in a utilitarian sense, provide some sort of like harmony among you know civilization. And I like so I don't think fictitious or made up necessarily equates to lacking utility or bad so like that's kind of where i come from in that like i get that they're made up i i get that they're they i don't think they're objective in any sense although i will say though oh, what's up top um i will say though that like uh god how do, how do i put it like the way i look at like morality and like say rights and stuff is like you set your values so if your values start from a position of like I don't even know what the, the beginning value would be. I guess you could say you could use like the nap would be a good one. Like you could say, you know, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. And if you set your values from there, I think that like you can, in a sense, you have a, you, you have a subjective value. And from there you've created a, an objective framework. So within that, you can say that like, if the, if I, if me and you both agree that like, Hey, this is what we want. You know, you don't want people to hurt you. You don't want people to take your stuff. So when it makes sense to do the opposite and we can apply a whole framework out from that, I think if that's what you want to call rights and you want to say they're objective, sure they're objective in the sense of like from beginning from your your value. But I, I guess I don't really necessarily get what, what people even mean when they say like, you know, rights exist. Like they're literally just a something that a concept that we've come up with. But it doesn't mean they're useless. I actually think they're a great thing to use. Like. But at the same time, I also realize they're like something we've come up with. I just think they're a useful thing we've come up with. Sure. So, you know, um, I guess you could kind of almost yeah. equate that to like mathematical stuff in a sense, because like in a weird kind of way, I mean, it gets a little more squirrely because we're talking about values and stuff. But yeah. But I mean, if there's some fucking serial killer out there who whose value is hurting people, it's kind of like I can't necessarily say you're wrong because it's like, I mean, by what standard? I mean, in his head, he, this is right. It's just that there's way more of us that don't like that. So this isn't going to work out well for him. You know, <laughs> so, like, this is where like that, like C.S. Lewis makes the argument in mere Christianity that like um, the concepts of right and wrong are like apparent in what he calls like a natural law. Uh, not that he invented the term, but he's just describing it. But because like all humans do this, like there, there's not like this. It's not like the humans that uh criticize other humans for wrong behavior or a minority like this is like this is universal and even among groups of people that we would view morally abhorrent they still have some kind of moral framework they're working on so like we we have debates among different like philosophies and or, or sometimes different countries and nations will be like uh you're in the wrong and you're in the wrong but everybody is agreeing that there is you know acting out some kind of moral framework of like there are actions you can make that are right and actions you can make that are wrong and everybody kind of believes that you should be uh fair and and then there's like those four universals that kind of show up in 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 you know mostly every culture even if they 
uh, don't apply it consistently because sometimes it's like, oh, this only applies to people in our tribe or in our nation and we don't apply it to, you know, X, Y, Z, like foreigners or, you know, you know, different minority groups throughout history that have that, that you know, like, you know, might not have had those uh, protections applied to them. But like murder, theft, uh, rape. And uh, God, I forgot the th- there's like a fourth universal that pops up, but like those three, like roughly, and it's kind of like the defi- like you know, it's basics, right? Like those exist yeah. everywhere. Um, and so like the, the the argument is just like because these things are so universal, um, and uh, like the, like the, they're just a truism of human behavior that they're so, and like you can make the argument that they're kind of maybe it's like, 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 you know, a, a product of evolution maybe. And that might be the case that they're a product of evolution or that's contributed to it. Um, but it would still make it, uh, I guess, real in a sense that these things play out. And the other thing is like, this is kind of more of a Jordan Peterson kind of argument, which is like, if we had a society that was based on the idea that rights and morality are just useful fictions, I don't know if that is compelling enough to create a moral society versus if you have a society that views these things as real in a sense, um, I think that's more compelling. And, and, and honestly, like, you know, I always tell people, even if you don't believe in God, you should find utility in the Bible. Like, you know, in like the podcast, you know, I do when I talk about different scriptures and different stories in the Bible and how they do, they, they are compatible with, with libertarianism, how they do preach liberty. And, and I try to push back against, you know, misinterpretations and misconceptions and show the real meanings of these stories. It's because like, even if you just viewed them as no different than like Greek mythology in terms of their legitimacy, the stories still tell a truth of some sort that, that plays out. And to me, it's just like these truths of, of, of liberty, of morality. They're just, they're, they're so true. And like to, when you follow them, people live in harmony. And when people reject them, things quickly devolve into chaos and tyranny and destruction. So it's like, you know, like when I say they're real and they're true, it's because of how they, how it plays out in society. And it's like, it's true because without them, like you, you, you just can't, like people would just destroy each other. So, um, and I so not true though, a- but in that, in that kind of a semantic way of saying not true, true in a consensus type way of like, if you want to get along, this is a good way to go. But so this is why we're we're still in a subjective realm. But I actually want to backtrack a little bit because I, I actually very much agree with you in a sense because you were saying how like this isn't probably a good thing to use to set up a society. I will say that like what I am advocating for, like if I was to get like society on board in some way, if I could have some grand speech, uh, it literally it's really as simple as hey, you don't like being hurt, right? You don't like people taking your stuff, right? We morality, whatever, whatever word you want to throw at it. Wouldn't it be cool if we advocated for people to not do that? It's really that simple. And it's because it's like you never know what side of the equation you're going to be on. You could be a rich guy, but it's like in your head, you know, you never know. There's always that chance shit could go wrong. And it's, it's just generally good if you operate under this mantra. Like it, it really is. You can look at it from a, you know, completely autistic way and be like, if we operate in this manner, life will be better. But I get it that for some reason, that very simple concept, it's not as, I don't know if it's as sexy or if it's just that people have gotten so used to having to be like having this magical thing that they go, here's my objective truth, whether it be natural rights, whether it be God, whether it be Allah, whether it be whatever, if they, they have to have their like, you know, a priori objective truth or whatever, if that's what they need, I don't care. Like 
I don't, I am not trying to be like, we need everyone. I'm actually very friendly to the concept of utilizing whatever tool I need to get to someone to the spot I want them to be. So like, and I, I've talked about this a lot. Like if I'm talking to someone who's religious, I'm not going to try to take him towards anarchy along a, a friggin' atheistic route or whatever. I'm not going to be like, let me tell you about Ayn Rand. They're like, like, <laughs> like they're not going to care. Like, like yeah. uh, first off you'll throw out this God idea and then we'll work from there. Like, it's right, like, yeah. why would I do that? Like, that doesn't make right. sense. And like, conversely, I don't do the opposite. Like I don't go yeah. to an atheist and go, okay, well let me, let me talk to you about Daniel three. Cause it's just like, <laughs> I mean, except for like the, the atheists who are kind of like the Jordan Peterson types that like are into that kind of stuff. It's just like, it's it's, it's kind of like all right let me get you to believe in god and the bible first and then liberty like it's i agree like it's a completely unproductive use of time um when you're when the goal is to try to get everybody to live peacefully first and you know if we could ever get to that you know then maybe i'll i'll care more about debating them on yeah. you know believing in god and stuff when yeah that's kind of what i say i say what I, i'm like i want to get them to the conclusion and then we can work on your reasoning later like because yeah. like, i do think it's important to have good reasoning and obviously considering as you're a christian and i'm not i'm sure we have difference in opinion when it comes to the reasoning to get to a conclusion so but we have the same conclusion. That's all I give a shit about. But right. like, so if I can get someone to the same conclusion, I would like to preferably work on their logic. I mean, whether that means they become a Christian or not, or because they become a Christian because they use that's the correct logic. I don't know. I would like for them to get better logic because I do think that like there is something to what logic you use to get to something. Because if I can get someone to a conclusion through completely faulty logic, then the problem is like what happens when another thing comes up and they right. have to use logic. Like, well, here's my, who's to who's to know whether they go astray? But I mean, whatever. I got them, yeah. I got them where I need to be for the the, moment, the time being. You know. Well, here's my fear, <laughs> and and so this is drawing a lot from like Jordan Peterson, and like I don't know if you ever how much you follow Peterson, and like I watched like his debates with Sam Harris, and they got to this point in in one of their debates where and like Peterson is is like a really interesting guy because like he's not in my mind an actual Christian who like oh I actually believe in these things in a like traditional sense but he says like i act as if they're true and he's always arguing for like the christian worldview and like you know he talks about like his his first conversation with sam harris was about what is true and peterson describes truth as not just being facts about the universe that are like demonstrable through the scientific method but like if something leads to the destruction of mankind then there was something untrue about the mode of being that they were following um now some people say well you're kind of playing a semantics game there because you're like oh, yeah. you're conflating tr the word true with like what is useful or what is conducive to society and i kind of get that um but the problem and like you said like you want to work on people's reasoning and logic and and i do too the problem is a lot of people just have no interest in doing that and they're mm -hmm. stupid. <laughs> just yeah, which I have no problem. Yeah. And, and there's a use lot of people, the sheep to get – figure yeah. out ways to work with sheep to get them where you want them to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, the, you know? the, the, yeah, and the, the problem is like I think it's hard to – like I don't know if we could ever get a um, a functioning society. Like, this is like my only pushback against the atheistic worldview is just like – I don't, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and it's like, and I'm not trying, to, I'm, never, I'm never trying to tell atheists, like, you're an immoral person for, for being an atheist, because I don't believe that, but I just feel like if you throw out religion, I don't know if enough people are going to be compelled to believe in the ideas of 
of like you know liberty and social cooperation and stuff. Now, granted, Christianity has been used by uh, churches and stuff and and warped and 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 and, and I'm not going to ignore that it's been used for destruct dest- destruction and oppression. So clearly, uh, like you know, it's kind of like a tension, right? Like you have to use reason and logic to a point. Um, but I, I just feel like, and this is what Peterson talks about, like the human psyche responds for a lot of people, they respond more to stories and emotions than they do like arguments and facts and logic. I mean, I, I'll do facts and logic all day long. Um, but the problem is like when I argue with most people and I like, I'll lay out the argument perfectly about why central planning doesn't work and why the state is a system of coercion and oppression. But like, it just doesn't hit home for a lot of them. But then like if you for some people it's like you have to tell a story. And to me, like the 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 Bible has the the set of stories that are the most important to the development of human society. And I think that would be the most useful in helping to promote a a a more free libertarian society, whether that was a minarchist society or ideally an anarchist society. I don't know. I mean, I always say I'm an anarchist, but like I'll I'll settle for some form of minarchy because like I don't want to be like, I don't know, like an anarchy or nothing kind of guy and not like, you know, like minarchy would still be like a massive reduction in the overall violence in society if we got there. So like, you know, I'm not going to like bitch and moan because mm. we still have like, you know, because I mean, the tax rates that would be needed to fund a minarchist state would be very low. I mean, one could argue that at that point, you're almost functionally at an anarchist society anyway, if the tax rate is like 0.05% and all its funding is, you know, police and courts, because it doesn't take much to fund that kind of stuff. And let's be, let's be real, too, with an anarchist society, like there's a good chance like what you could call anarchist societies in the future will be like basically minarchy. So like say, for example, you have in the future we have Chicago – and then, like, the, there's, like, a smart city there. And then there's people who live, like, tens of miles in the outskirts, and it's super rural. But the state doesn't really do anything there. Like, like yes, they will probably maybe make some sort of vague claim that, that they're a state and that they rule over it. But if they don't do it, they don't do it. So I, I think even in the future, when we when – we, there's probably going to be a lot of areas of anarchy that aren't really necessarily, in a sense, anarchy, but also kind of are. So it'll be, like, spots where, like, some state – sort of claims dominion over it but at the end of the day they don't really exert any power you know what i mean so like i I don't know that's the thing like there there very well could be something that calls itself a state but is basically like consistent with anarchist moral philosophy so it's like you know and or, or if it's or if it's a little gray it's like okay like i'll i'll compromise on the little bit of gray area there like as long as it's not like you know we're not locking up millions of people for having weed or you know dropping bombs on people halfway across the country because they you know just justified by all this propaganda and stuff like you know we we, we get that stuff taken away i'm i'm going to be bitching a lot less about this stuff yeah. but but yeah it's just you know that that's 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 my only pushback against those those like i i really do like the different perspectives of 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 anarchy and stuff and 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 i like Stern's contributions and i do think it, it is important to have that call to action to be like hey like let's not be libertarian to endlessly theorize and think that's all that we need right no like we do have to think about like at the end of the day it is true in a sense that might makes right because it like if, if you're not going to go out there and you know actually uh, apply your principles then they are they are meaningless in a sense. You know what I mean? I would, I, you know, I could, 
I can't think of a, a Bible story off the top of my head, but I know that there's there's something somewhere where basically like Jesus was was talking about how like if you well, well actually no here's a good one like when Jesus uh, you know tells people that there will be people who cry Lord Lord but that won't enter the kingdom of heaven and and they're like why he's like well because like they'll they'll say oh I did all these you know I, I did this and that in your name and he'll say depart from me I never knew you and like the explanation for that passage is like. Um, is Jesus saying like, just because you say you're a Christian or you say you did something in my, my name doesn't mean you actually did. Um, you know, like if you did something like, like if you're going to believe something, it should transform your, uh, pattern of behaviors, right? And you should actually live that out and people should be able to tell you're a Christian by your actions. And, you know, that's something that, that the, that the Bible talks about too. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, if you're, if you, you know, if people, and if people can't tell you're a libertarian or they can't tell you're a Christian by your actions, then you're probably doing it wrong. Like nobody, you know, and they shouldn't, it shouldn't take people going to your social media to, to know what you believe or having to ask you what they, what you believe. They should be able to, or at least be able to guess or notice, uh, there's something different about this dude. And I think as libertarians, we should take that to heart. Like, you know, and, and that's why I really do like agorism because i think it is a good way to kind of like put it into action like stop endlessly theorizing stop like sitting around asking the state to give you rights and stuff and just like go out there and do it go show people that that liberty works right yeah by the way i do want to there was something you touched on earlier but but uh you know that if you don't think the atheistic worldview would really work and i i actually don't necessarily agree or disagree i'm very you know apathetic on the question i kind of don't care like whether an atheism like perspective is what we need to get the world moving forward or not. I mean, I guess I do care, but it's kind of like a non-point because my, my goal is liberty. Whether right. that goes through theism or atheism, I kind of don't give a shit as long as you leave me alone. Like I, I, right. I really don't care. Like in like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I guess in a sense I do care because it's like, you know, it kind of goes back to logic thing. Cause I, I, right. I am obviously of the belief that I've come through correct logic. I could be wrong. I don't know. But assuming I'm right, yeah, I guess I'd like other people to take that route. But at the same time, I do understand that, you know, I feel like it says more about humanity than it says about the truth of theism or atheism. Like, it's really just a matter of, like, well, are humans really stupid beasts that are pretty dumb and need to be led along one way or another? I kind of actually am starting to, as time goes on, agree with that more and think this is kind of where theism grew out of. Like, well, that's you know, what, like, like, well, like <laughs> Harris pushed back saying, well, what you're saying is basically that, that, we're smart and enlightened and we don't need religion, but the rest of these dumb people do, which just sounds way too, uh, like, you know, uh, what's the word like cocky or condescending. Insert Chad. Yes. Meme here. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, and and to me, it's not even that people are stupid. It's like, um, you know, like we, we are kind of dumb monkeys, all of us. And I mean, I don't think any of us are, are necessarily i mean there are people who are smarter than other people yeah that's true but i think we all kind of like you know growing up like i have children you do too like you know try try explaining to a five-year-old why taking their siblings toy is wrong like you can sit there and like like give them the argument like well would you want them to take your toy and like no but but like five minutes later they'll go and take the toy again right but like you know i go to the bible and i i read a story about like you know uh or, you know, it doesn't have to be the Bible. You can go, like, read them a book or show them a movie. And, like, this is what Peterson talks about that's so true, which is, like, the human psyche is kind of evolved to respond to storytelling. 
and like like that's why people love movies that's why you know people go out and spend all this money and like hollywood's such a big thing and marvel and disney and all that like like you know stories compel us and they teach us something about human behavior um and i, and I guess like the only difference and, and i think that you would probably even agree with that and just the only difference it really seems that you and i have is just i look at these patterns and go they're so true in the sense of being true to the goals of human flourishing and 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 liberty and and morality that i feel like they just they transcend that social construct into a a different type of metaphysical reality but i'm probably predisposed to believe that because yeah christian Christian belief so i can understand like if you don't have that and that kind of worldview that that kind of like metaphysical world is just cut off to you you're just kind of like okay but like i don't see how you're getting there and and i can respect that and that's like i said before like if you know and if you don't have a, a like a, a revelation from God that compelled you to believe in that kind of stuff, well, then it's like you know, I don't I don't really care. I mean, as a Christian, I kind of tend towards universalism, so I don't even get too caught up in trying to evangelize people because you know, to me, like when Jesus said like he died on the cross for the sins of all, you know, for for the sins of all, it's like I don't know, like does does that not mean all? I just like you know, I do think that if you come to Christ and you live by the teachings of Christ, that that's better for your life here. And I think when Jesus talks about like hell and stuff, he's talking about like, you're going to create hell on earth. Like that's how I've always interpreted this passages, because if you look back, the Jews didn't have a concept no. of hell. You know what I mean? Like the, it's just like, historically, it just seems like a non, a, a non-starter. Didn't um, even Satan wasn't even really ever, I don't think he was even mentioned in the old, was he or, or something? No, he was, but there's nothing to suggest he was the, our conception of the devil as, especially oh, yeah, in the nothing, light of the old Testament. Nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, I mean, and unsurprisingly, a lot of the parts of Christianity that I hate and that, like, when people tell me, like, um, like, not, I'm not talking about you, but other people will be like, well, I'm an atheist because I can't believe in a God that does this and that. And I go, well, I don't really either. I think those are all inventions of the state that took the religion of Christianity and the teachings of Christ and warped them to control people. I don't actually think, if you go back to the beliefs of the early church f- fathers, like, there was basically no one that believed in over half the crap that you find in uh you know modern church theology today um but you know i I have fun on twitter archie (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe it's how you're using it i don't know what to tell you (laughs) (laughs) oh boy uh no yeah i mean i I enjoy twitter for the most part although you know like i don't know how much we were 58 minutes i mean one other thing i wanted to talk about if we had the time um getting off of the philosophical stuff um you know you and i had a little bit of an argument i don't think it was too heated but like a little bit of an argument like a month or so ago during during all the liberty drama and or think or think it was leading up to it but like somebody had made that uh i forget which tweet it was it was, was, a, it was one of the dumb <laughs> was it the was were one yeah i think uh, so <laughs> yeah um and and you know i got offended by it i i i shared the i made a a thing on my uh my, my Twitter feed. And I was just like, it's real, not cool real quick. Did you, did you interpret that as a threat? So yeah, I did. I, okay. I interpreted. I, as, I, I, yeah. I didn't get that until later. And I think I, I didn't even understand. Cause I immediately got the was, were, you know, the 40% implications, you know, trans suicide, whatever, which yeah. Okay. Like you can say, maybe that's a little not nice, but it, I thought it was hilarious, but I, I guess I could see in retrospect or someone would be like, Oh, are you saying you're going to lynch them? if you didn't pick up on the, like the suicide implication, 
you know, like yeah. And later, know. when someone said it with a reference to the suicide thing, then I kind of tried to like, you know, like okay, maybe I'm just, you know, acting a little bit too, de- you know, defensively here. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just. Um, and like, I like dark humor. Like I'm usually mm. not, I'm, I'm not usually the first one to kind of go like, guys, that was offensive. You know, like, it's just not me. I, I mean, I, I, I make, you know, fucked up jokes all the time. Like one of my, um, I was just in a chat earlier today and, uh, with a bunch of Christian libertarians and they were like, do they want to have any good Calvinist jokes? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I made, I made, I made this meme. It, it's actually like a copy off of the meme about, uh, 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 well, like the one with Stalin, where he's like, dark humor is like, uh, uh, food. Not everybody gets it. Um, and so I made one about Calvinism that was like, Cal, uh, was like Calvinism is like salvation. Not everybody gets it. <laughs> it's just like you know, funny little joke. It's like <laughs> I, you know, I, I I like shock humor. I like troll humor, but it's just um, sometimes on Twitter there's this weird line that gets road where it's like okay i'm all for dark humor i'm I'm also all for like making jokes at people and i i can appreciate i can be the butt of a joke like you know i think that says a lot about a person if they can uh someone can make a joke at their expense and they can laugh at it because that tells me they're not like taking themselves too seriously and i like that in a person um but there's a line where it's like okay are you making a joke and it's dark but it's in good fun or are you going after a person harassing them and you know, writing that line between making threats, which is kind of the way I interpreted that one tweet. Um, and, you know, and then there's also that then more broadly, there's this like group of people on Liberty Twitter that I kind of think you're kind of loosely a part of. I'm not saying that's all you do, but like, but the, their main thing is like they shitpost and the edgelord, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like, I know like Nick Ashley's one of them. Peter Quijones does a lot of that. And, um, you know, with Pete, it's really weird because like he didn't used to do that. And then it feels like, that kind of came out of the blue over the last year or two. Like he started doing that really heavy. Um, and, and just personally, I don't get it. So I was hoping maybe you could explain to me like, what is it, is it just to be funny or I've heard some people say like, there's a point to it and it's, you know, so like, like, and I'm not like, I'm not offended by it, but sometimes I'm looking at it all going like, is this productive? And I'm not saying, you know, again, everybody has, like things they do to just waste time. And I get that. Like, like I said, I go into the Fakertarians discussion group on a, you know, way too often on a weekly basis and, you know, bang my head up against the wall repeatedly because I like arguing with, you know, like I like, sometimes I like going into an atmosphere of mostly hostile people and just trying to verbally, you know, jar with them. So like, that's my thing. Maybe this is just other people's thing, but like, you know, what's your perspective on, on all this stuff? Oh, I love shit posting. I think it's glorious. I will give you, that like okay with that one thing if it, if it I don't like threats and it's not even necessarily that I'm like against threatening people it, anything it I feel like threatening someone online kind of makes you look like a bitch usually in most cases it just comes off weak like if you're like threatening physical violence to someone online it just comes off as lame like no no you aren't like I've had some people do it and I just laugh and I'm like okay. Like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I'll, I'll give you my fucking address. You you can come. Like, I, I'm not scared. It's just, and it's funny because people will, like, give you shit as if you're, like, I've, like, like messed around with people and, like, done, like, some shit posting people and, and stuff and have people come back with me with threats. And it's funny how they'll immediately be, like, I'm the internet tough guy. I'm, like, dude, you literally just threaten violence against me. I'm the internet tough guy? Like, oh, no, I'm the dude that you fuck around and find out on accident. Like, so, like, I, I'm not running around threatening people. I'm making fun of people. I'll give, I'll give them that. But no, um, but yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of threats. 
I mean, it's like it borderline is crossing the line of like whether you broke the NAP or whatever. But like, I mean, not that I'm necessarily tied to NAP. Um, to bring up a sterner quote, you know, don't let your principles serve you. Uh, or no, don't don't you shouldn't serve your principles. Your principles should serve you. That's kind of the way I look at it. I mean, it's kind of a utilitarian sense to look at principles, but that's kind of how I look at principles. So like, I mean, if it's not, if it doesn't work, then what use is it? Like, so, hmm. and that's why I like the NAP. I think it works, you know, but like, um, right. uh, anyways, uh, I think shitposting is great. I think it's a great way to, it's like kind of almost a dog whistle for our kind. Um, it's fucked up, usually type humor. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are people who suck at it. There are people who suck at it, aren't very good at it, but it is a great way to galvanize allies and identify enemies. And that's the way I see it. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, so-and-so is like, I mean, they might be kind of on our team and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I, I, I gen- if you're too much of a bitch to handle a joke, I'll be honest. I really have no you know, concept or really have no desire to like call you one of my, like, hmm. like an ally in that sense. Like, I mean, I guess it depends on the situation, but generally speaking, and that's what I'm saying. Very generally speaking, like uh, fucking like, this is in a very general way. And I think it's a sign of the times of like, this is a good quick and fast method of like kind of separating the wheat from the shaft, in my opinion. And um, like, cause I, I'm a big fan. I've said a lot, like I'm a big fan of creating division between uh, our kinds and authoritarians. And I think this is a great way of doing it quickly. I know a lot of people say, like I was kind of getting at a minute ago that like, well, there are some good principled people who are just, who find this type of stuff offensive. And it's like, well, if that's what they prioritize, then maybe they aren't the kind. And even then I think, like my conception of like in Kapistan or whatever the hell you want to call it is going to require some fucking men. And I don't mean that in like a sexist way. I mean like people who are willing to get their hands dirty, do some fucking work, the salt of the earth types and the salt of the earth types generally don't get fucking miffed about this type of shit. Cause like, I genuinely think if we had it magical in Kapistan, I think it would be far more trad than people think. And I'm not saying that we would like be like, you know, lynching up gays or anything. I'm just, I'm more saying it would be more like, I think it'd be more agricultural. It'd be more decentralized in the manner of that, like the American dream would to be have like five, five to 10 acres and a small farm. Like that would become the American dream. I think in my opinion, if I had to guess what in Kapistan would look like, it would be a nation in which that is the, is the American dream. Cause if you have that and that's like the norm, like think how decentralized that is and how much, how much more efficiently, like, you know, like COVID would have been a blip. Like look how centralized our, our systems are. And so I'm kind of getting at like those are the kind of people that you would need those type of people to have to to, to hold uh, hold up a society like that. And I'm kind of trying to create that divide because I see in the future, I actually personally the way I if I had to guess the way the future is going is I think we're going to see pockets of greater freedom and we're going to see pockets of greater authoritarianism. And I'm kind of trying to naturally select people into which way they want to go, and that's kind of the way I see it. So and and like I know this may be a decade, two decade three, four, five, six, but like, I want to start moving that because the quicker I can get that, that divide to occur, the quicker I can like, you know, be assured that I'll have a better future for my, my fucking, my kin. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I see what you're saying there. It reminds me of what, um, it's a little bit of kind of like the same, same arguments that Kaufman said when I had one on my show uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I, I've been contemplating that a little bit. I mean, I guess it's just about like what, you think the best path to liberty is seems like you're kind of more kind of like what Kaufman is saying. Now, granted, he's kind of applying it to the free state project and you're, you're, you might not be saying it has to all be in one location. No, I'm, I'm more decentralized than even that. I'm more like, I'm seeing like, uh, to give you a picture. I don't know if you've heard my conception. I've said this a lot, but I I kind of, uh, base 
kind of roughly what I think things will look off off of against the grain by uh, uh, James C. Scott and how he goes out the first states are created and how um, like uh, the first state center jumped up around agriculture. And so you had these fertile areas and it would kind of almost be like and then around the outskirts is where like the non-state areas would be. And those are kind of like the barbarians and they actually had great lives. Like, you know, if you look at the fossil records and stuff, it's kind of like one of the uh, main points of his book is how well they did, even though they weren't part of a state. Like you look at them, they, they looked healthier. They seem to be doing better. Obviously, history doesn't tell their tale as much because they weren't a state. But that's kind of that's kind of the conception I see going forward. I see in the future, I see the state starting to recede towards the cities and becoming more authoritarian and maybe like a return of like the city state type thing. And then on the outskirts, you're going to have like more rural areas that like in my head, ideally I would like them to be technically part of a state, but one of these things where it's like, but they're not really like no one really enforces. We're going to divide into the urban transhumanists and the Amish. Yes, basically. (laughs) And I I actually think the Amish are the better way to go. And I I think history rhymes. That's why I always bring up that example to kind of illustrate what I'm getting at. So because I know a lot of people talk about like the agenda 2030 with like the smart cities and stuff. And that's kind of what I'm getting. at. I think that's a decent picture of what the future will look like. And then you'll have people in the outskirts that they'll make fun of. Like, even if you ever read that agenda 2030 thing, they always make fun of people how like we'll have the people who don't accept it, who will live in the dilapidated outskirts and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, that's us. Like that's that's where we're gonna be probably. And yeah. and it's funny how they already put their spin on them. How these are the backward retards. But it's like, no, these are probably gonna be people actually doing pretty good. You know, like yeah. But you know, people love their enslavement, and I think that people. And, mm. and even then, I think in this future, you know, world that I'm kind of have made up in my head, I think even then, the people in those city states are kind of probably gonna be like, well, we're so civilized, and look how great this is. You know, like. I mean, eventually maybe it'll set in and be like, holy shit, this is basically North Korea and I've bought into it, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but right. Yeah. No, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, I, 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 I've, I've been coming around to that a little bit. I mean, like I, I had, when I first joined, uh, like my local Liberty group, there's like two people who are like, uh, two of my friends, my local group who, who always like, they hate cities and they're like, society is cancer. And I used to kind of like laugh at that and just kind of be like, oh, you guys are being ridiculous and yeah, over the past year after the lockdowns, I've gotten a bit more red pilled on that and kind of been like, yeah, no, mm, you know, cities might be uh, too far gone to to do anything about <laughs> like the, you know, at least the big ones. Maybe there's like small local quote unquote cities that you could salvage. But um, yeah, I don't know if I mean, it just I mean, and like I've read on like, you know, uh, theories of like uh ways to do urbanization in a more libertarian sense. And then there's the idea of like incorporated cities, which some people get into a debate of like, is that really just a city state or not? Which is, you know, open for interpretation depends on how you define a state and just kind of, uh, you know, your, your view of, of that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can get that. I mean, I guess it's, I'm still more, I guess, um, what's the term? I, I'm a bit, a bit more like seeker sensitive, I guess. And maybe I need to ad- change my strategy like i'm always trying to like i want to get everybody now i realize not everybody will be open but i like i know people like i came from a weird background and came to where i am now so it's like i get the idea of kind of like the 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 dog whistle to attract people who are already like us or who are like adjacent to our groups but then i'm also like okay well then there's also people who might have different sensitivities that like I do think could could become you know libertarians and 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 you know are 
open to persuasion. I do think the the point I agree with you on though is even if like the edge lording and the shit posting isn't your cup of tea, which like th- there are parts of it that I do appreciate and laugh at, and then parts of it that I just ignore. But that's the thing: the parts that I don't actually like. I usually, unless I'm interpreting it as, like I did in that one instance, a threat of violence, which I could have been wrong about, but uh, for the most part, the stuff I don't like, I just ignore, because it's just like, okay, like, you know, coming from an Austrian perspective, and, and like, you know, the idea of praxeology, and, and just like, the efficient use of time, like, is am I, am I advancing liberty by wasting time bitching at people for, you know, what I can see, construe as a waste of time or just you know saying dumb things on twitter that i think are stupid um and and, and i do think it's in a way the edge lording serves a purpose and I, I've, I've started to think this ever since my conversation with kaufman because like look at what he did like back when kaufman put his stuff out i was actually really irritated with him and like i was going like all the guys in the mises caucus and going like dude this guy's kind of a liability like i don't know if he's actually like helping us out and then it was like, after the fact, it was like, I don't know, like, he kind of helped help us identify the landscape, right? Like, there are two people, there's two groups of people now, and it's not Mises Caucus versus the entirety of the liberty movement. It's people who are so angry over that, that they're basically rage quitting, or they're declaring war on everybody else. And then there's a lot of people that are, that are like, loosely united and kind of going, let's just get back to work. And there's people that liked what Kaufman did and said, and then there's people who even didn't like it, but they're just kind of like, okay, like, you know, it was, I don't like the stuff that he does and says, but like, let's move on. And, you know, like the scandal with New Hampshire and the LMC really like divided that too, where people took a side and even people that didn't like Kaufman and didn't like the Mises caucus or don't agree with them on everything were, were like, you know, saying, Hey, um, you know, we can't respond this way. Like we cannot like what people say, but the correct response is to kind of be like, okay, well they won these. Like if you're going to play, like I keep telling people, you know, it's funny with the whole New Hampshire stuff. It's like, you guys are always on the Mises caucus crowd for being like, you know, like, and they hate Hans Hermann Hoppe because of like how much he hates democracy and speaks out against it. And they're like, Oh, you guys are just trying to bring back like, you know, fascism and feudalism and, and all that. And like, it's funny it's like you guys are not bitching about democracy you don't you, do you realize the irony in that like the people in new hampshire were elected democratically so like if you're going to be for democracy then that means like hey people you don't like can win and if they win you gotta suck it up right so what if you don't like that it works just, right so it's like yeah basically what i'm getting to is like as much as sometimes people say dumb shit that like in the moment i'm like that's stupid or like I'll just kind of like shake my head at. I can kind of see how it's created, uh, like the, the effects of that culture have helped the liberty movement overall because it it helps. It does help, like you said, to identify people who, at the very least, like if if your reaction to this stuff is even if you don't like it, you're still willing willing to work with me or anybody else on common projects and like agree to disagree on the stuff we disagree on. Then we can work together. If you can't, those are the people that I think that we need to identify and and not and I'm not saying like we need to do a purge or anything, but like if you're going to draw a line in the sand over 
dumb shit said on the internet, I do think we have a problem that needs to be sorted out because I don't know about you, but like as much as sometimes people say dumb shit on the internet, I don't like, I'm infinitely more pissed off at like the shit that the state does. I'm infinitely more pissed off at the fact that like the, you know, the, the money printers have been going burr at like an exponential rate and people's wealth is being destroyed. The dollar is going to crash. We're still, we still have the giant military industrial complex. We still have like, you know, two or three million people locked up in jail for just having weed. And then all the other people locked up for nonviolent crimes. Like there's so much shit to be outraged about. And, you know, outrage isn't a infinite, uh, emotion, right? Like you can only be outraged about so much. And if, and, and like the, I heard this in a podcast that you were on, God, like, I don't know, a few weeks ago where like some, and it wasn't you, somebody else who said like the, the common reaction from people is, well, we can be upset about two things and complain about them. And it's like, well, actually, no, you can't because it turns out all you bitch about is this stuff. <laughs> it's like, you know, and I go on fake Rotarians, when I go on these, you know, quote unquote, loser brigade profiles and stuff, I don't see them bitching about the state mostly. I see them mostly bitching about other people in the liberty movement for what they do. And I'm just yeah. like, how is this product? Even if you were right about some of your criticisms, like, is this advancing liberty? Is this, is this a, uh, like, is this a demonstration of a, a correct set of priorities? I really don't think so. Yeah. I mean, if you're just bitching about mean words, you're, you're fucking useless. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the way I see it. That's the beauty of shitposting is that identifies who does that and who doesn't. And most of that comes from this like silly ass, like, well, we need them to take us seriously. It's like, well, they're not going to. Like, you're I'm trying to have it. You're trying to have a seat on the table. Like, and it's like we shouldn't want to have a seat on the table. We should be busting down the door and be like, here we are, motherfucker. Like, 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 am I ideally in my head? I like the the one of the main reasons, and I've talked about this before. One of the biggest reasons why I can't get down with the LP is because I don't think that you guys are actually capable of taking this and moving it to a bigger stage. Because like. The shit posting, in essence, that spirit is kind of what has created the takeover. But now they're getting to this point where, like, well, we need to start being more civilized. It's like you're just becoming, you're just in this vicious cycle where you're just becoming the, you're be, you're becoming the old guard, or, or mm. and or like weeding off people to where it just gets taken back over by the old guard. Yeah, so that, like, that's, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's, That'll be interesting to see how it plays out because, like, to me, I think the takeover is inevitable at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, okay, like, once – like and, – and, like, you know me. Like, I've, I've been a little bit, like, on this border between, like, going full agorism and thinking there's some utility in politics for a while. I personally think there's no utility in politics in terms of, like, the legislative level. But I've – I like the Mises Caucus people and have been like, well, if we can get you guys in charge of the LP so that the messaging is better – I'll consider that like, cool, like, that's the main thing I want. And after that, I'm probably going to like, you know, you know, like take take more of a a uh, be, be less involved because like I don't think that I mean, like, I think there's limited utility in decentralization and nullification. Like if you can get some people out of jail for drugs with that, I'm all for it. I think that there, there's little things you can do on the local level, but I don't think that you can actually decentralize the whole way and, and, and pass the session the whole way and not get pushed back from the federal government. Like at some point they're going to push back and you're either going to have to, uh, take an agorist route or you're going to be taking up arms and, and having a civil war. Like mm -hmm. to me, those are the only, like the state either is going to dissolve because people just, uh, over time the state becomes obsolete and people literally just abandon it 
for the new society that replaces it or like there's some kind of revolution or like collapsitarian uh like the, the state collapses and you have you know spontaneous order mm-hmm. come out of it but I, I don't think you can use the political process to like just like push incrementalism the whole way the mm-hmm. incrementalism is useful for damage control and 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 that's about it um but then i do wonder i'm always wondering like are we wasting our time with this when if we put this much time and energy into agorism would that be more productive and like i'm always thinking this and it's like i, I it's like i want division of labor and like i don't want to like say like i don't think you can get to libertarianism through central planning of any type whether that's politics or whether that's like everybody has to do the same thing so that's why i don't bitch at the, the libertarian stuff like the party stuff and i've gotten involved as much as i have because yeah but that's like not centralization you using your voice to be like hey i don't think you should do that because it's one thing people say a lot like oh well you know people should do whatever they want I'm like yeah i'm telling you that's a bad path if you do it you do it but i'm saying hey i don't think it's right, gonna work out fair. well that's my point yeah, but yeah fair. yeah it's not centralization to say here's my opinion because I understand no matter what, people are going to be involved politically. I just think you probably shouldn't because, I mean, if, especially if you're worried about this thing collapsing, you may want to start moving that energy towards building the next thing. And like, yes, maybe it won't necessarily specifically be you, but whether that's you buying crypto, whether that's you starting to you know, develop cash businesses that are outside the purview of the state, whether that's I don't know, any number of things, like you're just moving that energy that way. So like even though it's only a little thing to you, you compound that amongst however many other people are going that route, you start building society we're going to see. So like – and it also makes you less dependent on the state because that's the biggest thing is like a lot of us don't even realize how dependent we are on the state. And the idea is to get as independent as possible. That's creating the new system. I mean you may in your head be like, well, I'm just making a garden. It's like, yeah, but that's this – you being this much more percentage less – dependent on the government for that when it does collapse you aren't like oh fuck <laughs> you know like, like I'm, I'm also like i'm agnostic on if there's going to be a collapse or if there's mm-hmm. going to be some kind of like reset fuckery and like i just i don't know which way it's going to go because like i think we all know like they can't just keep playing the same uh fed game that they've been playing where they just keep pumping dollars and keeping the interest rates at zero like something will eventually give but is it going to give and they're not prepared and they collapse or are they coming up with some kind of like, you know, like I'm not trying to be like Mr. Alex Jones conspiracy, like great reset necessarily. But like, are they going to do something where like they reset the monetary system? They do some kind of like, hey, wipe all the, the debts clean and, and, and they, they do they try to do something, especially when like the thing that would make it possible would be like if America continues this game in the middle east right like if they keep on pushing the war on terror and they keep on advancing their their uh empire in terms of like you know having the military spread out like that is kind of a might makes right kind of scenario wouldn't it be like if if it's like if america is just so freaking huge that it can literally just through the threat of how huge it is tell people okay like yeah we know we've been printing all these dollars we have all this much debt but uh like we're america so fuck you like we're just gonna like here's how it is now like people might bitch but like are they gonna fight america and and go to war over it or are they just gonna bitch about yeah, it and move on that, that, like, i just that I creates know. other problems though like are you getting out like we're just gonna be like hey we're not paying this back is that we're right, getting yeah at? yeah because yeah. i mean in that case though then they would just like then your money lenders don't want to give you money so like I mean, sure, assuming the government was like, well, we'll take this opportunity to be like, fuck you, we're not paying you back, and now we're going to, like, fix our shit and actually be like, you know, break even or, or handle our money better. But it's like, 
that you we all know that's not how that's going to work like all the incentives point otherwise like it's it's not that's not happening no, they, like they, they yeah. wouldn't handle their money better but they would yeah. like they, they'd find some kind of like way to kick the can down like they're, they're always going to find like to me i'm just worried like are they always going to find ways to kick the can down the road and it to me like it would be impossible if america wasn't this greatest empire and like th- that's why war is like one of my 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 key focal points is not just because of the humanitarian uh crisis that like our foreign policy and our wars create but also like to me that's what's kept the system going as long as it has like you could not like we like this country would have been bankrupt so long ago if it wasn't for the giant empire and the Mm -hmm. fact that people can't connect those two dots i mean some people do and they're just like like i remember one time um I mean, like, like it was like Sam Cedar, I think, was just like, well, we're the reserve currency and nobody's going to, like, push back against us because, like, how could we? Like, we're the biggest country in the world and our military sprawls across all these countries and stuff. And I was just like, you're saying the quiet part out loud right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that is kind of how the system is propped up. It's propped up basically through this, like, giant threat of force and occupation on a geopolitical scale. And so, like, I just wonder, like... I mean, you know, what are the limits of that? Like, I just don't know. I mean, it it very well could collapse, but then, like, you know, I think it has to collapse at some point. Like, every empire collapses, but, like, is it 20 years or is it 100 years or is it 200 years? I don't know. And so, like, I don't know what timetable to operate on. And I guess I'm probably a little bit optimistic, and I'm like, well, if it's on the 200-year timetable and the system keeps going— then there is a use for the Libertarian Party yeah. to at least be putting out a good message. And to me, like, just just being Ron Paul, but a group of people being Ron Paul instead of, you know, because, like, the problem with Ron Paul was, like, you know, like, he got old, right? Like, he couldn't keep going. He couldn't keep, he couldn't keep running those campaigns and putting that message out there and, and inspiring people to, to, to join that movement. So, like, I like the idea of the Mises Caucus kind of, like, you know, taking up that mantle and making that, like what the LP does. Like, I really do like that. And I think that's good if we're on a hundred to 200 year timetable, if we're like on a 10 to 20 year timetable, then yeah, we're fucking wasting our time. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's necessarily, I mean, I'm talking on my ass. I don't know if there's going to be like a, an official, like not official, but a, a, you know, clear pinpoint collapse. Like if I had to guess, it's kind of my concept of like, and I think we're seeing it, how, it's almost like power is moving. So like, you know, the power and then this is for those listening, you might want to like go listen to uh, popular liberties, like thing with archotropism. I feel like it kind of applies here and like how power, like there's always a certain amount of power and it could just shifts around. So in this, I actually think what likely will probably happen is like this, you know, quote unquote collapse, maybe like this sustained thing where power starts shifting towards the cities. Like I like I was kind of getting at. So it's like we may not see like this official collapse, but more of a shifting. So I mean, in yeah, and eventually you'll get to where you have these shitty little fucking hellscapes that are these cities. But I don't know. I'm, I mean, that's just the way I see things going. I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea at all. And the so truth is, none of us do. Reset, like we're yeah. all just we're all just making our best guesses here. And yeah. so it's like you know that's kind of why like I'm I'm still like I'm trying to figure it out and it's like I'm trying to I mean like I got my garden going and I'm I'm trying to you know I'm investing in crypto and and trying to find as many ways to like you know like in, in my business and stuff I'm always trying to find ways to trade with people find ways to to source things more locally 
And like, you know, I'm always trying to approach things from this agorist mindset and find more ways to be to be doing that. Um, but like, I, I do see utility in the LP still as far as being that message, because I just think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, like like a store like over the last two decades. That's how a lot of people have, have come into our movement, right? Has been through that method. Now, that doesn't mean it's the only way to do it. And that should be the primary way to do it. Uh, like that, that would be a fair criticism to make. Um, but if there's pe- like, there's already a group of people that have decided, you know, with, with, with Heist and the Mises caucus and Dave Smith, they're like, this is what we're doing. So it's like, well, if you guys are already going to go do it, I'll at least like lend help where I can, because like, that would be pretty awesome. But I will be pissed if they do what you like, like I do, I, I do get your worry. Like if they get in, but then they become moderate and they just like become, like a slightly edgier version of the old guard, like that's not going to cut it. Like you guys got to be yep. in there and, and continue to be what you're about and and not compromise just because like you're, you can't be afraid of looking bad to the establishment because sucking up to them ain't going to work. You know, like you're going to have to piss them off. You're going to have to rattle, uh, you know, people's perceptions and, and, and be willing to be unpopular to some people because like for every person you piss off, and for every time that the media takes something you says and spins it negatively, there's going to be, you know, for every one person you turn off, there'll be 10 people you turn on because they'll see through the bullshit. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of how I look at it too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. All right. Well, we're at an hour and a half. Um, I appreciate your time, man. It was cool chatting with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, pl- plug your podcast again for people. So uh, in case they're not already following you, they can come check you out. Yeah, um, the No Way Jose podcast. I'm on uh, YouTube. I'm also on just about every podcatcher. Uh, I'm on Odyssey now, too. I always forget to plug that. Oh, yeah, by the way, go check out Top Lobster at toplobster.com. You can get some fucking No Way Jose gear if, if you're so inclined. Good night, Marsh, uh, Masha. Or, um, but, yeah, sorry. Uh, anyways, yeah, if you want to give me money for whatever reason, if you're so inclined, I like money. Patreon.com slash No Way Jose 2020. You'll get my get my content earlier. I actually have a stacked week. I have, like, doing one every – like, doing an interview every day this week. And so – but I only release, like, one or two a week. So, you know – You'll get a you'll get a get a good amount ahead of time this week. I got tomorrow. I'm on with Maddie Erickson. Uh, Thursday, I'm on yeah, with Jeremy cool. Kaufman. Friday, God, um, how am I forgetting this? I'll think of it later. It's, I have a big, big, big friggin' uh, God, how am I, give me one second. I'm gonna, I know it's somebody important. Look at my calendar. I feel like an idiot. And then Friday is Magnus Pinvidia. I'm starting. Oh, yeah. I meant to bring that to you. I'm starting my Anarchist Handbook series. So me and him will actually be covering Sterner, the chapter from Sterner in there. So, you know, for you, you know, as you're reading, you know, maybe think of someone that would stand out to you, one of the chapters, and then maybe we'll do one later. And maybe one like the Tolstoy's in there. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Tolstoy, yeah. yeah. So maybe one of the Christian anarchists. Because, yeah, I'd like to do one for everything. I'm doing it out of order. Godwin was supposed to be first, but i'm not gonna lie god was kind of boring i don't know that chapter i mean it's the social contract and i guess maybe for some people that's like whoa but for me you're like okay yeah yeah i get it it's retarded like right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh yeah that's all i got so uh, uh check me out on twitter i have fun on there so that's it yeah what's your uh what's your twitter handle uh my name jose okay. galison it's actually at galison jose or you can just type in jose galison whatever it'll it'll cool. be pop, it'll pop up so you'll, yep. you'll know it's me. Yep. Follow me on Twitter too. It's at Biblical Anarchy, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Spotify. I'm- 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.